Let's use the suit of the front. I remember in the days when the single men will sit at the front. It's good Alex is sitting at the front. Remember that, Anthony? Remember we used to all sit at the front? I was on the front row every service, wasn't I, Anthony? I'm not lying. You could ask him. Very cool. Awesome. <laughs> We're going to have a good morning, man. Today's services, man, they're going to be awesome. All right, number one, let's start with, our, with today. Second Samuel chapter 12, if you have your Bible. This sermon um, is inspired from Pastor Sergei Golubev's sermon from the Prescott Conference. I was going to show that um, here at our church, um, but the, the, the media team over there, obviously not as advanced as our media team, uh, and they didn't record the sermon, video record. It froze for 28 minutes. He's just like... And there's this audio, and then it kicks in in 28 minutes. It's such a good sermon. I was just going to show that for 28 minutes and, uh, and, and show it, but I thought, I'll, I'll just preach it. So uh, I've made some changes to it. So everything good in this sermon is from Pastor Sergey. Everything bad is just because I added it in. So just remove those parts, and um, I'm just, yeah, straight, very clear. This is not my sermon. I'm just copying him because it's very good, um, and I think we all need to hear it. Um, there's, a, there's a tombstone in St. Petersburg um, of this soldier. There's a picture here we've got and it's of this soldier sitting down and just before we get started do you know how hard it was to get this photo he, he put this photo up at, at, at the sermon in his sermon I, I looked on google for like over an hour trying to find this picture i messaged all the australian pastors what we ended up having to do one of the australian pastors had his mobile number we messaged him in russia and said pastor sergey can you send us the photo pastor sergey send it to him send it to him send it to him and eventually i got it so this is direct from pastor sergey's phone praise the lord so it took a very long time, so I hope you all appreciate it. Let's just take a moment and just, we actually have it. I, what I was going to do, I know this is bad. I was just going to show another picture of another guy because I, I was getting so frustrated. I was like, they won't know. It's all the same. It's so, probably shouldn't do that. Yeah, anyway, so anyway, we've got this man, this picture of, him, of this soldier lying down. There's another photo here. It's a bit close up. And so he's covered himself with this cloak. Um, and what, what happened here? is that he's a soldier he's supposed to be guarding his post um, in front of uh, this is King Nicholas uh, at the time and he fell asleep while he was supposed to be guarding uh, the palace and no one here has ever fallen asleep at work uh, we're all diligent workers and none of us go to the toilet and go to sleep but here is this man he falls asleep and it just so happened that as he's sleeping the king King Nicholas comes out and sees him sleeping Imagine you walked out and your boss saw you sleeping. Like, there's that fear already, but this is the king. So the king, infuriated, wakes him up, pulls him out, he stands up, and the guy is so terrified of the king. The king didn't even say anything. But he felt so guilty for what he had done that he stood up, he had a heart attack, and died. He died from guilt. It wasn't a weapon. It wasn't uh, some sort of disease. It was guilt because he failed his king. And that, that guilt killed him. You know what? Mo many times it's not the enemy that gets us. It's our own guilt, right? Uh, many good people have quit on their calling and their destiny in God because of guilt. Raise your hand here if you've ever experienced guilt in any area of your life, just so I know who I'm preaching to today. All right, all of us. All right, so we're going to, 
have some fun this morning. We're going to believe God to deliver us from this guilt. And this sermon is entitled, Your Guilt is Removed. And how good is it that God can remove our guilt? Can you say amen? That we can live in freedom and peace of mind, knowing that God can wipe that all away. So we're going to read a very famous text in 2 Samuel 12. Uh, this is David and the prophet Nathan. Verse 13 says, So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. However, because by this deed you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child who is born to you shall surely die. And Nathan departed to his house. Amen. Let's pray before we start. Lord, we thank you for this morning, God. I thank you, Lord. For the blood of Jesus Christ that washes away every dead work. God, washes our minds clear, our conscience clear. Lord, I pray for those that are struggling with guilt this morning from the past. God, set them free, Lord. Know that he the Son sets free is free indeed. And we can put our hope and our trust in you, Lord. I pray, help us to focus on you. Remove this horrible disease of guilt. And let us live in freedom. We thank you for what you're going to do by the Holy Ghost. And we give you all the glory. And in the mighty name of Jesus, everybody says, Amen. First, we want to look at the power of guilt. And guilt is one of the most painful things we experience. There's an old saying that says, goes like this, the pain of discipline is less than the pain of regret. The pain of discipline is less than the pain of regret. What that means is trying to do something and staying disciplined and doing something, it's, it's hard. But if you don't do it, the regret that you feel afterwards is worse than that pain of discipline. The regret of what we've done, it, it, it hurts. And guilt is basically the, the, the meaning for guilt is the, the, um, the act of committing an offense. But the devil always attacks us with guilt for what you've done in the past, right? How many here during church, maybe you've been worshiping God or sitting in a sermon or praying and then the devil will bring up something of your past, right? He does that to me all the time actually while I'm preaching. And I'm trying to do something for God and then these things of the past flood our minds. And we feel, feel, we feel guilt in two ways. Number one, for the sins of commission what that means is we feel guilt for the things that we did we did something wrong and this is what we're most familiar with how many remember the first time you stole something right and your heart was pumping out of your chest and and then after like the 17th time you didn't really care right it was it was easy but that first time there's that guilt there and it, it, it eats away and maybe you've done something in the past and that that guilt eats away for what you've done that's that's where we experience guilt, number one. The second area that we experience guilt is the sins of omission. And what that means is the things that we should have done and we didn't do. Sometimes they hurt more. You know, some people's life slogan is, I didn't do it. Because they do nothing with their life, right? You know, they think, if I do something and fail, it's, that's worse than doing nothing. Well, that's, that's not true. Because James 4.17 says, Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. That's a big scripture. It's a very deep scripture. Something we should have done, but we didn't. And we feel guilty about that. All of us have that that opening illustration. This man should have been on duty, but he was sleeping. He didn't guard the palace. And all of us have regrets of things that we, we should have done, but we didn't. Every parent would experience this. I should have been a better parent here. I should have done this. I should have been a better husband. I should have been a better wife, a better daughter, son. I should have been a better employee or employer. I should have been 
a better Christian. I should have been a better disciple. I should have been loyal. I should have been faithful. I should have helped that person. I should have been there for that person. I should have made it. I should have encouraged. But I didn't. And that guilt can eat away at us. One of the men in the Bible that experienced, I believe, the deepest guilt known to man, I believe, is, is David here. David's got a rich history. David is the king of Israel. He's the second king of Israel. The old one was horrible. They got a new one. He's anointed by God at a young age. God helped him. He's won battles. He is the top of the top. He leads God's people. You can't get any higher in life being the king of, of Israel, God's people. Yet the higher, the higher you are in life, the harder it is when you fall. And I highly doubt anyone in history has ever felt more guilt than David. This scripture in chapter 12, chapter 11 is where we know the story where uh, he committed adultery with Bathsheba. But it wasn't just that. And I've mentioned this in a sermon a long time ago. But in this time, David actually broke all the Ten Commandments. Not just one. You shall have no other gods before me. He, he put the God of lust above everything else. You shall not take the, the Lord's name in vain. He definitely took the Lord's name in vain, saying he's, he's the king of Israel, God's special people, and he's living a completely different life. Taking the Lord's name in vain is not just saying Jesus as a swear word. It's saying you're a Christian and not being a Christian. Don't make a, you shall not make a graven image. That's him. He engraved Bathsheba on his heart, not God. Remember the Sabbath. He didn't keep the Sabbath. Honor your father and mother. He dishonored his mother. You shall not kill. He killed Bathsheba's husband. You should not commit adultery. That was the clearest of them all. You should not steal. He stole um, his, uh, Bathsheba, the, Uriah's wife. You shall not lie. He lied until he got caught. You shall not cover. You should not lust over what someone else has. And this is what he did. You can't get much worse than in one weekend breaking all Ten Commandments and being the highest in Israel, but then becoming the lowest. And from that moment, he committed this deep sin. He felt profound guilt. His life was not the same. Can I just tell you, church, if you don't deal with your guilt correctly, it multiplies. It doesn't get any easier. It actually gets heavier. That's why some people, when they finally pray and, and you say, what's eating away at you? It's something that happened a long time ago. And that thing gets heavier and heavier. It's like wearing a, a weight vest. At the start, it's all right. You can handle the weight, but in time, it wears you down. Many Christians are weighed down by guilt. So David felt the most incredible torment of guilt. Pastor Sergei said, Guilt is a murderous emotion that has physical and uh, emotional ramifications on a human being. It affects you physically and emotionally, spiritually, relationally, actually. I know today in schools, they don't really read books, they watch movies. But back in the old days where we used to read books in school, um, a lot of people did Shakespeare books. And one of them was Macbeth. Maybe some of you may have read that. Some of the OGs may have read that, right? And so that, that's so that's a book that you read. Um, just trying to explain it to people. So it's like a book like this, pages, you highlight it and you read it. Yeah, so just trying to get this. So in this book, Macbeth, he killed, Macbeth kills Duncan. And this is this is what he says afterwards. He says, whence is this is that knocking? He hears this knocking all the time. How is it with me that every noise appalls me? What hands are here? They pluck out my eyes. Will all great Neptune's ocean wash this blood clean from my hand? He says, no. 
is I could wash my hands in the deepest ocean and I still feel guilty. Because every single day I see my hands and I'm guilty. My eyes, I feel like plucking out my eyes because I feel so guilty. And that could be many of us, no matter how far we run from guilt, it's always there eating at us, isn't it? And we always feel like our hearts, our minds, our hands are red from guilt. So David experienced this torment and this is recorded through the scriptures. What I love about the Bible is that it's very transparent. You actually see what people go through. And um, they say at least three or four Psalms, uh, Pastor Sergei said, are written in his, in his guilt. Uh, Psalm 32, 33, 51, and 103. But he, he struggled in four areas. Number one, he spoke of physical pain in the Psalms. Psalm 32, 3 and 4. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy upon me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. David is literally feeling sick from guilt. Have you ever felt sick from guilt? Just your heart aches and your body aches. Sometimes you can't concentrate. Sometimes it shows that in shaking, making bad choices. But guilt manifests in the physical body. Number two, he spoke of spiritual pain. Psalm 51, 7, Purge me with hyssop and I may be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. He's saying, I, I want to be clean. I'm sick of feeling dirty like Macbeth. Please make me clean. And he's, he's, he hates it. It's this nasty feeling of feeling ugly on the inside. And when we, when we live with guilt, we just feel horrible and ugly on the inside, don't we? We feel dirty on the inside. I pray for cleansing. Thirdly, he spoke of mental pain. Psalm 51.3, For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. It says another translation, For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. And that right there represents a lot of people. What they've done in the past, what they didn't do in the past, it haunts them day and night. Ever been, you know, I spoke about this before, but you're doing something, then that guilt comes back in your mind. So like, where did this come from? I was having a good day. I was singing, can you hear the sound of revival? And then bam, you, you remember what you did, what you didn't do. And, and it plays on our mind. Or you're trying to do something for God. You're out witnessing or praying or reading your Bible. And the devil says, who do you, who do you think you are? Look what you've done. You, you don't deserve to do this. God doesn't listen to you. You're worth, and he says all these things to us. Now, I told you before, it happens while I'm preaching many times. And can I just add to this? It's, you know, it's hard as a Christian. Can I just say, it's 10 times worse for any backslider. 10 times. Maybe 100 times. Because the biggest Academy Awards go to backsliders the biggest Academy Awards. The ones that say, man, I'm so free now that I'm not serving God. Like I am just having a ball. Right. Actually, you notice this, the people that put on the biggest fronts that pretend to be the most happy are the ones that are struggling the most. And you'll realize that in life. Never believe when a rebel or a backslider says, I'm doing great. No, the Bible, Bible's true. You're not true. And can you imagine the torment of the devil when you don't have God's covering on your life. Like we struggle with God. Imagine those without God. Just to prove a point, this is one, happened one time in our church. A backslider came to church and this person looked super happy. Everyone's like, man, they're doing so good. They're doing so good. I know, and I spoke to that person earlier on in the week. Uh, this is this was a, a while ago. That person, if, although weekly, uh, it was a weak effort. That, that week, that person tried to commit suicide. That week. So in front of everyone at church, 
I'm doing great, Pastor. I'm doing so good since I left the potter's house. Man, life has really moved forward and it looks really, really cool. But behind the scenes, that's another story. And so you never, ever believe a backslider or a rebel who says, yeah, I'm doing great. Well, Proverbs 13, 15 says, but the way of the unfaithful is hard. It's hard. Psalm 51, 14, deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. And finally, there's relational pain. Psalm 51, 11, do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Have you ever felt distant from God because of guilt? Ever felt that you can't talk to God, you can't approach God, God doesn't listen to you? This is how David is feeling. Maybe you're in church and you see everybody happy. You see people singing and, and, and getting involved in the service and praying and, and lifting up their hands and, and you feel a million miles away from God and everyone looks like they're, you know, they're living in heaven already. And it frustrates us, right? It's like, why are they so close to God and I'm not? And I've got this guilt. And you feel cold and discouraged and depressed. And that's why he says in Psalm 51, 12, restore to me the joy of, of your salvation. Because he wants a joy of salvation. So that is the power of, of guilt and it really affects people really bad. So let's look secondly at the problem with guilt. We're going to get to some deep areas here, but I want you to notice with guilt, the focus is always on you. Anyone dealing with guilt, the focus is always on themselves. And this is what comes into your mind. It's because of you. It's because of you. If you were a better husband, your marriage wouldn't be like this. If you were a better wife, he wouldn't have to go muck around. And we feel guilty for what other people have done. And that guilt plays with us. If you were a better mother, better father, your children wouldn't be like this. Your children wouldn't have backslidden. It's because of you. They wouldn't be like this because of you. If you were better with your finances, your marriage wouldn't be like this. And it just attacks you and attacks you and it attacks you. If you were a better father, your children would respect you. If you were a better mother, your, your children would be in church. The reason God doesn't answer your prayers is because of what you did back then. Because you did this and because you did this. And that's what goes on in our mind. You say amen? It's, am I onto something here? It's what we deal with. If I was, if I, it's because of me. The reason God isn't blessing, blessing my life is because I gossiped that time. Because I got involved in rebellion that time. Because I did this, because I did that. Because you did such and such in the past. Because you got involved. Because you were unfaithful in the past. And all of a sudden, even though we're Christians, we start to believe in karma. But I thought we believed in God. Right? But it's very easy to believe in karma, isn't it? Guilt will always blame you for everything that happens in life. That's why you need to get delivered. Think about Joseph's brothers. They want to kill Joseph. Thank God he's got a brother, Reuben. And what a great family. Let's all kill him. Reuben's like, nah, let's not kill him. Let's put him into slavery. What a lovely family. <laughs> Shish Kaboah. And um, 21 years later, not a year later, 21. So like this happened in 1999. 21 years later, there's a famine in the land. They go to Egypt. They go and they're trying to get some food. And they see Joseph, but they don't recognize Joseph. And they have some trouble. And the first thing that comes to their mind, they say, it's because we sold him into slavery 21 years ago. That's why this is happening. Because let me tell you, church, sin will always leave a mark. And guilt will leave a mark that you can't scrub off. Genesis 42, 21. And they said to one another, we are truly guilty concerning our brother. For we saw the anguish of his soul that he pleaded with us. We will not hear. Therefore, this distress has come upon us. Can you see how vividly they remember this? 
They said, I remember what he, I remember what his eyes looked like. I remember how he pleaded. I remember what he did. And I remember that we didn't listen. It wasn't we just sold him into slavery. They remember every single little minute detail. And isn't it crazy when it gets to guilt, you remember the, the smallest details. What did you eat this morning for breakfast? No idea. But I remember what I did 21 years ago. And we are inclined to remember negative things. That's just human nature. Negative things always come to mind before positive things. Because sin leaves a mark. Guilt has a voice. The reason you got a flat tire is because of what you did three years ago. Right? And we start to think like that. The reason why, you know, you didn't get that job is because you were unfaithful that time, remember? And that's how we start to think in karma, but that's not true. Sin will leave a mark. John 8 is the woman calling the act of adultery. This is a great scripture. I'm going to read it out to you. John 8, 3 to 9. The scribes and the Pharisees brought him to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to her, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? So they're trying to catch him out. But this they said, testing him, and that he might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger, as though he did not hear. Now we don't know what he wrote, but I have a, I have an inkling. I reckon he started to write down their sin, because you can see the adultery. That's you can see. It's, it's easy to judge other people's sin, right? But Jesus got down, verse seven. When they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, "He who is without sin among you, let him throw the stone, uh, throw a stone at her first. So then again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Maybe he's really, really writing some decent sins out. And that's why he says, then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience, right, it's up here, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. Maybe the oldest was like, man, if he's going to write down all of my sins, I need to get out of here really quick because he's going to have to like write, oh, half the desert will be writing, you know, all my sins. They knew they were sinners because guilt gets us and sin leaves a mark guilt will stop you in your tracks it'll stop you from serving God it will paralyze you it will make you turn cynical make you turn turn against the word of God against the church and I was talking with someone recently and they, they, their big thing what if I fail again well you, you're going to play rugby and you're going to drop the ball again so you're going you're to be more committed to failing at rugby than, than failing with God and that's just a fake excuse for not wanting to do the will of God you're going to fail in life. That's, that's Welcome to life. We're human. We're not angels. You might look like one, but you're not, right? This is the problem with guilt is that it stops us in our tracks. So we need a solution. So let's look finally at the power over guilt. So let's look at our text again. Let's dissect it a little bit. Verse 13. So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord has put away your sin. You shall not die. However, because of this deed, you should be, uh, sorry, because of this deed, you have given great occasion for the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. And the child who was born to you this day shall surely die. And Nathan departed from his house. So David needed to do two things to remove his guilt. And the same thing is required by us today. To remove our guilt, number one, David needed repentance. Guilt does not come through feeling sorry. Guilt is removed when you repent. Truly repent, not just go through the motions. And repentance brings such freedom that you, we can't even explain it properly. Acts three nineteen. Repent therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, and times of refreshing may come may come upon the presence. Uh, sorry, come from the presence of the Lord, 
How many remember when you first got saved, gave your life to Jesus? Raise your hand up nice and high if you remember that time. Remember when all your sins were washed away and I was like, ah, I'm clean. Ah, thank God. I don't have to carry around this burden anymore, this guilt, this shame of what I've done in the past. Heck, I'm clean. I'm all good. But then sometimes as a Christian, we, we do things and we need to repent from them, or we don't do things and we need to repent from them. And we just say, oh, sorry, God. And we sort of sweep it under the carpet. And then we say this word, Pastor, I'm so burnt out. Well, if you actually repented, you have refreshing from the Lord. And I believe the number one reason why people are so burnt out today, or they say they're burnt out, because it's just a spiritual jug, horrible word. It doesn't even make sense. Pastor Mitchell's 90, doing a, a, a billion times more than any of us. But we're burnt out. No, no, no. Times of refreshing may come when you repent. And I love that. See, and your sins may be blotted out. That means permanently removed. Permanently removed. So if God forgets it, there's no reason for you to remember it anymore. Now, have you heard us say the devil said, brings up your past, just bring up his future. <laughs> you're stuffed, man. I'm going to be in heaven for a long time. You're going to be in hell for a very, very long time. And yeah, I stuffed up in the past. That's why we have Jesus, our righteousness. And he is, we're righteous because of him, not because of our good deeds, but because of who he is. And if he's trying to compare us to what we've done in the past, just compare him to Jesus. That's all we need to do. Because when God looks at us, there's a song that says, when he looks at me, he sees not what I used to be, but he sees Jesus. And isn't that good news? He doesn't see what we used to be. Thank God. Thank God he doesn't see what we used to be. That's very ugly, Dan. It's not cool. Don't ask Anthony any stories, but we believe God. So, number one, he needed repentance. Second thing David needed, so that's, not, that's one thing. But this is the real kicker. This is the real, really takes another, another level. David needed relationship with his authority. His guilt was removed when he was under Nathan. You could have repented anywhere. And I speak to people all the time. I, I can't, can't I repent anywhere? Yeah, you can, but you still feel guilty. There's something about being under authority. And then, he, and then Nathan spoke those words, you are forgiven. And that's why every person here, you need some sort of authority in your life. And many of us here have come from broken homes. And that's probably why you deal with guilt so much because you've never had someone tell you, it's okay. Your guilt's removed. You're forgiven. And our whole life, we're trying to please our parents or please someone. And they never, never gave us that. But the word of God here says when, when you do that, when you have someone in your life that could say you're forgiven, then you can start to process life properly. Then you can start to get through life properly. And many people without any spiritual authority, they're like this. They're like a bird in a cage. They can see freedom, but they can't get there. And they're always stuck in this cage. They're trying to get out. And I want to be free. And I can, why can't I be free? Why can't I be free? Because you need someone to come and open up. And yes, God removes our guilt, number one. But here on earth, we need a spiritual authority in our life to say, you're good. You're all right. And when you repent, there's, nothing, there's no need to be afraid of spiritual authority. I was telling someone, I can't remember who I was telling. I called a backsider. Like, that person had left the church for three years. I called them up. They answered the phone and they said, I still feel scared when you call me. You left three years ago, man. And you're apparently in church. Why are you scared when I call you? Because of guilt, right? Guilt. But when you have good relationship, then all that guilt's removed. And then you can actually live in freedom. Romans 5 and Romans 8 are great great chapters. You should read them all when you get home. But let me read you a couple of scriptures that can set us free from guilt. Some things you can remember when the devil tries to throw guilt in your face. Romans 5.16 And the gift is not like that which came through one who sinned, 
For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation. That's how we all feel. But the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. Justification means just as if I never did it. Just as if I never sinned. And when you are forgiven by God, when God looks at you, it's just as if you've never done that thing. It's not like you've got a little stain on your life and hmm, look what they did back then and look what they did. No, no. It's like you're completely clean and completely washed clean. Like you've never, ever done it. Like you are pure before God. I, I love that because I don't have to worry about the past because I'm justified. How many of you are justified here? Say amen this morning. Romans 8, 1 and 2. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Christ has made us free from the, from the law of sin, from the law of death. And there is no more condemnation now that we are in Christ Jesus. There is freedom and there is hope and there is power available to all of us. There is peace that we can live in that. I'm no longer condemned, but I'm a child of God. And there is freedom in Jesus Christ. Amen. Romans 8. Again, 34 to 39. This is, this is awesome. Who is he who condemns? Like, who's this knucklehead that's trying to condemn us? Is it Christ who died? So it, uh, it is Christ who died, and furthermore, he is risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who makes intercession for us. That means God, Jesus speaks on our behalf. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, persecution, famine, the coronavirus, nakedness or peril or sword? There's nothing that separate us from the love of God. Verse 37. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who saved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing that includes guilt shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that is good news this morning. It doesn't matter how bad the guilt is from the past. That cannot stop you from getting to Jesus' love. The love of God is still available to you. You are not cut off from God. You are not, uh, you are not a second-hand Christian. You are not a, a B-grade Christian. If you have given your life to Jesus Christ, you are free in, in, in Jesus' name. And that love is available to us. I spoke earlier about David probably having the worst guilt. Probably, I'd say the second guy who had probably the, the second worst guilt, maybe he had worse, is Paul the Apostle. Remember Paul before he got saved? He was Saul, right? And what did Saul do? Saul persecuted the church, attacked the church, killed Christians. Saul killed fathers, husbands, sons and daughters. This was his life. He dedicated his life to ruining God's church. And he did a very good job. He got Stephen stoned. He did all these things. Now, God says, I want you to be an apostle. Can you imagine Paul coming to preach this morning and he killed someone from your family? Imagine what Paul went through. I know your guilt. Yeah, you said something. Yeah, okay, cool, cool. Imagine Paul getting up and all the demons in his head. But Paul still had the power of God in him because the blood of Jesus can wash us clean. No matter what we've done, and we've all done stupid things, so thank God he washes us clean. The key is spiritual authority. John 16, 8. And when he has come, this is the Holy Spirit. I love this. He will convict the world of sin. And I mean, we should feel convicted of our sin. But listen, he should also convict us of righteousness. That is one thing that the Holy Spirit, yeah, a conviction is a firm belief. Yeah, I've sinned. Yeah, But when it's righteousness, the Holy Spirit is there to tell you that you are righteous before God. You are not the same man that you used to be. You are different now. Hebrews 9, 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ and those who have eternal spirit offer himself without spot to God? 
cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. He can cleanse the conscience. He can cleanse the mind games and make you a new creation in Christ Jesus. Close with this story that Pastor Sergei said. He spoke about a man in his church. They've sent out 43 churches in Russia. Incredible. Where it's illegal to outreach. Just try and get that. And they've sent out seven churches overseas. One to Cuba and the guy in Cuba, I, I, I can't remember if I told you this, but someone jumped in front of his car as he was driving to, to commit suicide, but the, the government, um, uh, the government, what's the word I'm thinking for? In the justice system, anyway, accused him of killing this guy, basically. And this guy had to go to, that pastor went to jail for two years in Cuba. Can you imagine that? Going to jail, going to jail, number one, going to jail in Cuba. Trying to preach the gospel. Anyway, he sent out all these churches and not every church plant works. And so he's got some that came, came back and one guy got this really funky attitude, just really didn't really care about the things of God. As Pastor Sergei tried to get close with him. He said he was like a son to him. Tried to get close to him, but he, he couldn't. The guy kept pushing him away. Then one day, he said he took him out for coffee and he's talking with this man. And he said he felt the Holy Ghost speak to him just to say, your sins are forgiven. And he said that to the guy. He says, listen, I, I know you're going through all this stuff. But I just want you to know your sins are completely forgiven. I think Chris mentioned this the other day. He said, he breathed, he breathed in, he goes, and he said that from that moment, everything changed in his life. And now he's on fire for God back in his church. From completely carnal, having a bad attitude, the issue was guilt. And we need people who will pro- proclaim the freedom of Jesus Christ. Yes, we preach on sin. I preach on sin a lot. But we need to rem- remind people that there is hope for them. That they're not, you're not stuck in that person that you used to be or that you once did or where you are now. That's the hope of Christianity, right? That we can be different, that we can be changed. So I encourage you, church. You can be healed spiritually, physically, emotionally, relationally. Every area of life, you could be healed if you, number one, repent. And number two, submit under some spiritual authority. And there is a covering and there is a peace that comes that can't be explained. Isn't that good news? You say amen this morning. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray.